Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to another episode of Internet Hate Machine. I am joined by my producer, Sophie. Hey, Sophie. Hey, Bridget. And we are so excited to be joined today by our guest, Prop. You probably know Prop from his amazing podcast, Hood Politics, or his amazing coffee company. Let's go. Prop, thank you so much for being here. Dog, I can't wait to do this and just be physically outraged by all the stuff y'all got to go through. Oh, you're about to be outraged. Before we get into it, I have to ask... You tweeted about losing followers since Musk took over Twitter. What have yeah. you? What has it been like to be on Twitter since Musk took over? In your in your view, I mean, honestly, I was like, I don't want to get involved with the like. I don't want to feed. I don't want to feed it. So I was like, I honestly pulled the like. Well, let's see. You know what I'm saying? Let me let me see what it is. And every once in a while, I kind of go through my own like sort of bot purging, whatever, right? But definitely. I first I saw a complete surge of like porn bots and then a complete surge of like these like anybody that's got like an American flag and Patriot in their bio. Like I just got a surge of that. And I was like, why are y'all here? Right. And then, yeah. And then I just started like just handful a day, you know, saying so I'm down like 500 followers, which is fine. But it was more like, dude, I used to lose followers because of like what I said, <laughs> not just like out of nowhere. Like, what is this about? I wish I could earn my losing. You know what I'm saying? But definitely like I haven't seen a lot of the like uptick in like hate and like vitriol, I guess because I was already a public figure. So I feel like I already seen like I've already mm-hmm. went through my fair share of that. You know what I'm saying? So to me, I'm like, oh, like when they talk about like crime wave, I'm like, crime is not up. I lived through LA in the 90s. This is fine. Right. So um, so for me, I'm like, oh, baby, this ain't nothing. But I will say, I have enjoyed all the like fake or the the Twitter blue stuff. Yeah. And like people like paying for their verification and creating trolls. And then realizing now you could click it and it could say like, nah, this fool's actually verified. Or be like, nah, that fool paid for it. 
you know, but generally like it's, it's kind of been, except for just the losing of followers, like for me personally, it's kind of been the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's such a weird spot that we're in. I completely agree with you. I've been seeing an uptick in porn and crypto scams. One of my favorite podcasters, Lacey got, was, was hit by like a crypto scammer. And I think we're in this no man's land right now where scams and pranks and trolls have, I think, really been empowered and emboldened. Very and I much. don't necessarily see Elon Musk taking it seriously. And I think it's a, it's a real problem. I think it can really, yeah. you know, open up the platform to be misused. He definitely has the like, the way, the way I've been looking, thinking about it is like, this fool is still a seventh grader, right? Right. And being like, I can jump off that roof. And then, like, all the homies being like, bro, you don't have to jump off the roof. Dog. It's cool. Like, I don't know why you feel like you got to do that. No, I could do it. And then the homies are like, all right, do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now this fool climbed on the roof and is like, oh, shit. Nigga, okay, do it. Like, you gonna, if you're going to do it, do it. You know what I'm saying? And him realizing, like, I immediately read it's, it's It's Ron Burgundy jumping into the bear trap. You know what I'm saying? Right. And being like, I immediately regret this decision. And it, to me, it's like, I will say my Twitter experience, maybe not my personal one, but my like as a user have been the scams have been so funny to me. Like seeing people like all the other fake Elon Musk like accounts, the fake <laughs> LeBron James account and just and wondering how like I think we talked about this before on the episode we had with Hood Politics. Like if you would just take like an extra second to like once you see the name and the check and then just read the person's at mention their actual handle and you're like, oh, this is a joke, you know? And just, or right. like, it'll be, it was like LeBron James with a Z at the end. So I'm like, that's clearly not LeBron James, but. People don't do that though. Yeah. People don't take the time no. to do that. Yeah. And I think where we're at right now is the funny stories are what are getting press right now. Yeah. But I only know the funny ones. Yeah. Right. And that's what's, that's what's, you know, forward facing, but in reality, like clearly security and safety are not yeah. Elon's this, priority. Yeah. And and as we know from the show, the people that are going to be affected from this most are marginalized people. And yeah. uh, that shit sucks. Yeah. And Elon and that's sucks. The, yeah. That's that <laughs> intersection, man. Right. Like, like you said, it's like, like, obviously this, the show is about the experience of like marginalized, you know, specifically women of color. And it's like, of course I'm marginalized, but I'm also not a woman of color. So I'm going to have a different experience. And I think that, yeah, like that, that it's important that, you know, I'm, that's why I'm glad this show's happening. You know what I mean? Because it's important to like, go, yeah. The timeliness of this show yes, is unbelievable. It's yeah. This may not <laughs> be my experience. <laughs> yeah. This may not be my experience because I'm definitely like a lot of the stuff that I did, like even, you know, surviving my upbringing was like, I was very good at staying out of stuff. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, I just don't, I just stay out of it unless I need to be in it. You know what I'm saying? Until like, you know, somebody turns turns to me like even like, you know, to carry the metaphor, like, you know, if it's a if it's a per, if it's a woman of color, like I'ma stay out of it until she looks at me like, hey, you gonna say right. something? It's like, all right, I'm gonna go break this nigga's jaw. Like just you, you I'm not gonna move until you tell me. You know what I'm saying? Like if you tell me, then let's go. But if not, I'm like, <laughs> oh, she got it. You know what I'm saying? Like I stab, like I'm usually not worried. Like, oh, she got it. She finna drag y'all. You know, and, yeah. and and for me, it's like I'm I'm ready for the show, which is what what which I love about this Leslie Jones episode because I 
I don't know if we're not supposed to reveal that yet, but like, I was like in that whole, I remember that saga and really? I was like, yeah, I was like, she dragging them. And it was what do funny you remember to me. about it? I remember how it was weird and random to me where I was like, I don't know when it started, like how all this started or why her. I was like, the fuck did she do? Like, why are y'all, this seems so, it seems so out of nowhere to me. Like, this is so random. And, but I, I also knew she was very funny. Mm. And for me, I was like, she, like, y'all picked on the wrong person. Cause I'm like, she finna drag y'all. And to <sighs> me, I, I was the fact that like, she wasn't like, man, I'm so sorry, Dave. Like, why is everybody picking on me? She was like, Nigga, your mama got funny feet. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I was like, you know, fuck you, your head pointy. And I'm like, she's, I was like, to me, I was like, okay, y'all, look, y'all, y'all done poked the bull. So got to me, I was, one. You, you got the wrong one. She not the one. And to me, it was funny. Well, what was funny was her, the way that she was dragging them back. It wasn't funny what was happening to her, but her answers were like, well, Leslie Jones is like one of the funniest people. She's, she's one of the funniest people. Period. She's hysterical. And I was like, I don't understand what y'all problem with her is. She's hilarious. You're like, yeah. what what what's the problem? Okay, yeah. this is yeah. a perfect segue. Tell us the problem. This is the, uh, the per I could not have set this segue up better. So All let's right. get into it. Okay. So on the heels, in our last few episodes, we were talking about Gamergate and okay. all of these tensions around marginalized folks. I guess I would say the perception that they're invading these spaces that have been traditionally thought of as like very white and very male, right? Okay. Video games, tech, and film. Yeah. So you have all of these like largely white dudes who are frustrated and angry that they feel like they're being kind of threatened in these spaces. Just the idea of like someone who's not a white dude entering these spaces and existing in these spaces. And so enter one of our major players for this conversation. Steve Bannon. Done, done, done. Oh I know, right? How this starts at Steve Bannon? It starts okay. with Steve Bannon. We got, oh we got, we got. You're, you're probably thinking like we're talking about Leslie Jones. Why are we starting at Steve Bannon? And it's because Steve Bannon <laughs> was an early figure who really saw what a powerful force these frustrated, disaffected, you know, yeah, fragile, yeah, yeah. threatened white guys could be. Oh, and he yeah. thinks, wow, we need to harness this and weaponize and consolidate their political power. So let's okay. talk a little bit about why that is. This is going to get a, I'll breeze through this. It's going to get a little bit technical. I'll, I'm going to warn folks, but I mm. found this fascinating. And if you okay. let me no, talk I about this. I feel like we need this part, Bridget. Like I feel no, like lay we it need out. The, yeah. the entire technical timeline of this entire mess. Yeah. Okay, so let's do it. So you might be thinking, why did Steve Bannon, like why was he mixed up with all of these male gamers? Well, yeah. it's because he saw the power of these gamers firsthand himself. Before uh, Bannon was in the Trump White House or possibly maybe going to jail, he was a successful Wall Street dude. In 2005, Steve Bannon hooked up with a Hong Kong-based startup called Internet Gaming Entertainment, or IGE. IGE was this company that was making millions and millions of dollars through selling virtual goods for real money within video games like EverQuest or World of Warcraft. Did did you ever play any of those games? Bro, once, once the remotes went from like, four buttons to like eight, I was out. Oh, there's too many buttons. <laughs> literally, literally just assume the dad response from prop on certain things. Like at, yeah. the beginning, at the beginning when prop is like, yeah, I'm gonna sit out of this. I was like, okay, dad. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. Yeah, no, for real. I was like, yeah, the game, like once it was like, you know, I, I, I checked out 
pretty early on okay. games because I was like, man, it's too much. And because it was like, man, I'm I'm already into so many niches. Like I'm already like, you know, neck deep in coffee. I'm neck deep in hip hop. And especially at that time, I'm like, I mean, you the beat starts. I tell you what machine they used, what sidechain compression, where this rapper from, you know, other side project. I was so deep into a niche already that I was like, man, I ain't got time to learn no other. Yeah, you don't need another rabbit hole to, to immerse yourself in. So I was like, I can't keep up, dog. Yeah. So essentially what this company, IGE, was doing is selling these like in-game capes or wands or tokens that would allow players to pay real money to immediately level up within the game rather than having to work their way up to a certain level. So if you if you ever played games that involve levels, some people, you know, if you have money to spare but not a lot of time, you might pay to just, like, enter the game at a higher level. Uh-huh. IGE was not the first company to do this. It's actually a common practice called gold farming, where low-paid workers in places like China will play these games like World of Warcraft for hours to acquire what they call gold or currency within the game, and then sell it to other players. Got it. So the problem with this is that it's not totally, at the time it was not totally legal. It was Mm -hmm. actually prohibited by the companies that make the games. And so it was sort of in this legal gray area. Mm, And Steve Bannon came on to IGE to try to turn this from, you know, a, a practice that existed in a legal gray area to really legitimize it by selling the companies that made these video games on the idea that players would be willing to spend, like, real money to yeah. level up in their gameplay in this way. Um, I know we're talking about, like, gaming no. and video games, but this shit was, like, big business. Bannon yeah. got Goldman Sachs to invest $10 million in the company IGE. Nah, I'm like, this... This the type of stuff that like also turned me off of video games. I was like, wait, I gotta, I need to buy this sword. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> exactly. Like I have to spend my real money on a virtual sword. What the no, hell kind you. of game is this? <laughs> the game don't come with what I need. I gotta buy this. Nah, I'm good. Totally. I mean, you're you're not alone in this. And so yeah, um, IKEA head ass game. Like <laughs> yes. game like. What kind of what what other product can you buy and just comes not put together? Like with not every like what I don't have everything I need, even though I bought it. Nah, I'm good. Anyway, go on. When you go to the IKEA showroom and you see the dresser all put together and then you buy it and it comes in that flat box, and you're like, box wait a minute, like, wait a minute. <laughs> what is this? I bought a couch. What is this box? Yeah, anyway, go on. So Steve Bannon, he was really brought on to be the adult in the room in this video game company, right? He was going to be the money man who was going to get all this sweet, sweet Goldman Sachs financing and also get the companies that made video games on board with the idea that they should be in the business of selling this this, this pay-to-play kind of scheme with gaming. Mm-hmm. His first big fish was Blizzard. They make the game World of Warcraft. And back in 2005, like, this was the Huge. game. I, yeah. I was in college in 2005. Like, I played it a little bit because my then boyfriend, a whole, a whole long story, my then boyfriend was obsessed with it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, learn to play this game so I can, you know, connect yeah. with him. I'm not surprised that of all the video game companies to come into this story that it's Blizzard. Because Blizzard has, Activision Blizzard has so many lawsuits. Oh my so God. Many lawsuits. Yeah. So many. Like, still, like, still. Yeah. This is still happening. This is like where you go to like a, a place, you know what I'm saying, with a whole bunch of laptops and, or computers and you're playing World of Warcraft. I remember yes. walking in and being like, yeah, no, nah, I'm good. 
Like, it just left. Like, I'm yeah. just here for the coffee, but I'm not trying to hang out with you yeah, people. Y'all yeah, got, y'all got coffee? I am sad to say that you just described uh, an environment where I spent an inordinate amount of time in college, not because I particularly enjoyed it or wanted to be there, because I thought that's how you got, like, dudes to be interested yeah, in you yeah, is to yeah, pretend yeah. like I'm really, enjo- I- I'm really enjoying being at this like land party I don't want to be home watching real world and listening to Mariah Carey Aww. I'm having a great time <laughs> Aww, poor college I know I know it wasn't it wasn't great. hang with us man it wasn't great like, girl come to this open mic with us yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so Steve Bannon is his big fish is blizzard he's hoping that he can get these executives on board and in fact it was quite the opposite Blizzard executives were not on board with this idea of having users pay to level up within the games. And in Mm -hmm. May of 2006, they actually cracked down on that scheme, calling it cheating. And they put out a press release saying that they had banned over 30,000 accounts on their games who were engaging in that practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, IGE and their suppliers suffered a huge loss after this crackdown. IGE was losing $500,000 a month. And so this was like a huge, like they were hemorrhaging money because of this this crackdown. Mm -hmm. And something to know about gamers is that they really hated this pay-to-play scheme. Okay, gamers good. got organized. They, you know, ended up delivering another big blow to IGE's business. Uh, World of Warcraft users actually sued IGE. In 2007, a gamer in Florida lodged a class action lawsuit against IGE. Um, and according to the Washington Post, the lawsuit alleged that IGE had received tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, Selling World of Warcraft a virtual property or currency generated by cheap labor in third world countries. Um, so, you know, and, and like what's interesting about this is that IGE settled that lawsuit. And uh-huh. as part of that settlement, they promised not to sell virtual currency in World of Warcraft for five years. Uh, Bannon then becomes the CEO of IGE in 2007. He moves the company kind of away from this gold farming scheme to focus on things like gaming chat rooms and gaming websites, some of which he had acquired d- during this like gold yeah. farming operation. These In these chat rooms, full of gamers, full of people who were passionate about gaming, yeah. they were super, super vocal about how much they hated IGE's pay-to-play schemes. You know, they were... Something to know about gamers is that they kind of consider themselves to be kind of... I guess, values-based, you know, they felt that it was unfair yeah, and, and that, like, this scheme went against what they saw as the egalitarian spirit of gameplay. Yeah. Um, they were fervent. They used these websites that Bannon was running to organize and to pressure companies who were operating these, these um, games not to partner with IGE. And yeah. Steve Bannon, he saw all of this. He saw the ways that these gamers hated pay-to-play. They were successful in rallying each other to keep you know, gold farming out of their mm. games. He saw firsthand that gamers were this big, powerful, passionate community Damn. that would really dig in around an, an issue that they felt highlighted their shared values. Um, in a book called The Devil's Bargain by journalist Joshua Green about the rise of Bannon and Trump's presidency, uh, Bannon said, these guys, these rootless white males had monster power. Uh, so he definitely early on was like, wait, these gamers, they're serious. Yo, this is like, Two things I'd camp on. One is like, I still don't understand the five-year number where it's like, we'll stop selling for five years. It's like, no, fam. <laughs> no, it's, you can't do this. What do you mean? Okay, well, okay, we'll chill for a little bit. Like, no, fam, you can't. No, okay, we'll, ch- we'll chill. No problem. So I'm like, where, where did this five-year number come from? 
that you just agree to stop doing something illegal just for five years. And then secondly, um, it's definitely like an interesting like thing to 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 witness like the birth of a villain. It was like yeah. when you're like, oh, where this was when. This is like Attack of the Clones. It's like when the Sith, when the when the dark side switches and all the clones become evil. Like I was like, oh my god, this is it. You just turned them into stormtroopers. This is the moment. Oh my god, that is such a oh so that's such a good analogy for where this conversation goes because it's so it's so true how you can take this disaffected group and yeah. really successfully radicalize them and turn them against a common enemy, even if it's not necessarily a common enemy that they had before all of this. No, you just turn them into stormtroopers. Yeah. It's crazy. That's such a such a good comparison. And so Bannon takes over at Breitbart News in 2012. Oh if you don't God. know what Breitbart News is, it's an extremist right-wing media site that Steve Bannon himself once declared as quote, the platform for the alt-right. And I really have to give it to Steve Bannon here because he's very savvy. He sees the potential in building out Breitbart into this digitally savvy, plugged-in outlet with a young audience base. And he also sees huge potential in marrying what he learned during his time running gaming chat rooms with IGE with this toxic white supremacist ideology. He's like, wait a minute, if I combine these things, my power, like, this will be very powerful. And- he was right. Yeah. He, yeah. Another thing, like, if I'm going to give that man any credit, it's the fact that, like, he's not, he's very upfront of what he's doing. He's like, nah, these are, this is all right. These are white boys. They are, And I can feed them racism and they'll make us, they'll give us power. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's very open about it. Yeah, like, he's like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So this is where another major player in the harassment of Leslie Jones emerges. Milo Yiannopoulos. We've talked about this a little bit, Sophie and I. Um, on October 27, 2015, Breitbart launches a tech vertical that will focus on internet culture and video games. And Steve Bannon recruits Milo to run it as tech editor. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the articles, like, it, it's funny because I, when I was doing the research for this, I was like, what did Milo have to do with tech? But actually, I was incorrect. He actually did have a background as a tech journalist before all of this. I didn't know that. The website that Milo founded called The Colonel was actually acquired by the tech website, The Daily Dot. Mm-hmm. So he, he actually did have some like bona fides in actual tech journalism. Yeah. However, when he got to Breitbart, I, I think that calling the stuff that he was writing tech is a little generous because it's all kind of framed as these conversations. It, it gets all very reactionary, right? And so yeah. all the articles that he writes on Breitbart on this tech vertical are not really about tech so in so much as they're about all of these different ways that white men are being pushed out of technology and yeah, video games and culture, okay. which is just nonsense. Like every article yeah. is about, you know, making fun of feminists or women or fat people. Yeah. Like it's all very reactionary. But I guess like that's the kind of tech storytelling that okay. that Milo and Steve Bannon were interested in because they they know this is gonna get these young white yeah. males riled up. It works. Yeah. So Milo has a lot of appeal with exactly the kind of young men that Bannon is looking to court as a resource and weaponize. Milo is young, he's active online, and most importantly, he revels in being offensive and insulting people. And I have to say, just like a lot of gamers, like if you've yeah. ever played video games, I'm, I'm not saying all gamers do this by a, a wide margin, but that's mm. certainly a, one of the cultural nuances yeah. of gaming is like, you know, 
Yeah, calling talk. each other slurs and talking shit, right? Like, and that's part of it. I could see like gamers being into him, but I don't think like My- Milo probably doesn't give a shit about gamers. I was like, yeah, no, nah, I can't see him. Yeah, yeah. he's like, no, nah, Milo, you don't Milo give a shit cares about, about Milo. Yeah, exactly. So you're you 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 are exactly right. Milo doesn't give a shit about gamers or any yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Um, the same year that Milo starts up at Breitbart, we see the rise of another big figure who loves being online and revels in being oh, offensive. Oh God! Can you guess who I'm talking about? <laughs> who is this? Donald Trump. Yeah. Trump announces his bid for presidency the same year Promise, that Milo becomes tech chat. editor. I'm good. Can we? Oh, thanks. Hey, my 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 socials are. Yeah, you're like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I need to finish this. Yeah. So Bannon told Joshua Green, the journalist um, who wrote that book about his rise, quote, I realized Milo could connect with these kids right away. You can activate that army. They come in through Gamergate or whatever else, and then they can get turned on to politics and Trump. So as Sophie said, Milo does not give a shit about gamers or video games. And actually, Early on in his career, he spent a lot of time mocking video gamers and belittling them. But Milo does understand that gamers are an easily riled up, easily stoked audience and that he can stoke their sense of victimization around things like Gamergate or threats posed by like woke PC culture and basically get them on board for anything. I'm still trying to like figure out how they figured out to go from games to racism, to voting Trump into office. That thread, although it's now in in hindsight, you're like, oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, totally. How did you? Because they saw white male rage in like mass. That must be it. Because I'm just like, nerds. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, Like, you know, in the most like, you know, if I'm going to be as basic as possible, I'm like, are you thinking like, and these nerds is really riled up? I bet you they could make somebody president. Like how you? Yes, basically yes. Like wow, yeah. And and again, I have to really give it to Steve Bannon because I don't think a lot of people saw I wouldn't have done that. that. Yeah, I, like who? Like it, you? It really does take a kind of savvy guy to see that. And so, yeah. as you said, you know, and when you look at Milo's writing, it kind of becomes clear how he was doing this. Um, Despite not really being involved in Gamergate, Milo writes about it constantly. And he really frames it as these PC leftist culture police uh, attacking these poor, powerless gamers who don't have any social capital. But paradoxically, his writing also really flatters gamers in these like over-the-top ways. He writes constantly about how they are, you know, have this unchecked, unseen power that only he sees. I went back and read a fuck ton of Milo's writing, uh, yeah. which was not not so pleasant, not fun. Uh, but yeah. not fun at all. But you really the, the, the radicalization tactics are super clear. Uh, he speaks to their grievances of this audience and then connects those grievances to these big politicized boogeymen and tells them, oh, Trump, who Milo refers to as daddy pretty oh. often. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. Okay. It's bad. It's bad. OK. Yeah. He oh. tells them. Trump is the answer to their disaffection. Uh, and, you know, Trump probably doesn't give a shit about gaming or I mean, game journalism. But, yeah, you know, when mamas, he does. I'm like, yeah, on Mamas, he doesn't even know how this is happening either. He's just exactly. like. He's like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. So Trump, he doesn't care about ethics and gaming journalism or gaming or any of that. But he no. does often attack 
the you know crooked media. He does talk about jailing journalists. So you can sort of see how these grievances that these gamers had are kind of being stoked and then replaced by these other political grievances. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melanin, Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Let's take a look at some of Milo's writing from Breitbart. In 2014, right after Gamergate, he wrote, quote, It's easy to mock video gamers as dorky loners in yellowing underpants. Indeed, in previous columns, I've done it myself. But the more you learn about the latest scandal in the games industry, the more you start to sympathize with the frustrated male stereotype because an army of sociopathic feminist programmers and campaigners abetted by achingly politically correct American tech bloggers are terrorizing the entire community, lying, bullying, and manipulating their way around the internet for profit and attention. Uh, so you can sort of see how like he yeah. is able to stoke these concerns yeah. and then 
politicize them in like a very particular way. He goes on to say, quote, gamers should concentrate on the very real concerns they have had for a decade with a press that swamped with the discredited far left ideology and unintelligent, poorly trained writers refuses to tell basic truths. So you can sort of see how even if you were a video gamer who had some grievances with the gaming space, what he's saying is like, you're mad about gaming and also the far left and also Democrats and also the media. What a first of all, what a great writer, which is what part is what sucks about it. It's like, damn, he's actually a good writer. But like, but yeah, that move of like, man, it's like it to me, it's like, man, I spot a hustle from a mile away when somebody's like, y'all, that's crazy, man, how they how they make fun of y'all. Like, you know what? Yeah, dude, they do be making fun of us. Man, they just think you just, you know, you just know nothing, this and this and this. And you know them, and you know, you trying to open up the book, you want to talk about the game, they talking about something else. It's like, yeah, man, I just like. I'm more interested in the game. And it's like, yeah, it's because, you know, and we know we hate the woke left that be doing that to you. And you're like, wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, that's what we mad about? Like, okay, yeah, that's what, what else were we mad about? And I and like, I guess I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a person who may have fought for this, but, but like that first few times you read it, you was like, what? That's what we mad about? And then after a while, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what we're mad about. It's that, you know what I'm saying? Because you started off with stuff that I actually am mad about, which is like, yeah, exactly. man. Exactly. Like, yeah, it is that's such crazy. an effective radicalization tactic. And honestly, Milo basically says as much. In one piece, he writes, women, and you won't hear this anywhere else, are screwing up the internet for men by invading every space we have online and ruining what? it with their attention-seeking and a needy, demanding, touchy-feely form of modern feminism that quickly comes into conflict with men's natural tendency to be boisterous, confrontational, and delightfully autistic. And so you really, what? exactly what you said, Prof, he, he, he really is connecting these men and their feelings around gaming to the, these broader political grievances. So yeah. it's not just about gaming journalism, even, yeah. even that is like dubious, but it's also about, you know, hating leftists and the media and institutions and telling these people like, you are being bullied and ignored and attacked by the culture. And it really creates the situation where these spaces, you know, gaming, culture, yeah. film, are turned into a battlefield, like, like, yeah. like, like a, whereby Milo is kind of selling these men on the idea that resisting kind of social justice warriors and taking back video games and taking back tech spaces and taking yeah. back film is, is a kind of activism in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. You're speaking their language, but in a weird way, and then twisting the same words and to mean something else. And all of a sudden, it's like now we're so far down the road it's like well now i'm here i guess i do believe this stuff man that yeah this is so sinister dude like and again it's like first of all these kids ain't victims number one you know what i'm saying and they are you know what i mean uh they've been weaponized you know what i'm saying but it's like i i my my brain goes to a place to where it's like i don't know if you had the sort of like socio-cultural just societal engineering and experiences to know when you being swindled you know what i'm saying to be able to step back and be like hold up man speak for yourself homie that look that's that shit you on that's not what i'm on like you know what i'm saying like i and and i feel like that whether i don't know street smarts whatever it is it's just like i i know how to be like hold up now speak for yourself mm-hmm. now you know what i'm saying like wait nah homie that's not why i'm here you know what i'm saying like i mean i like the game but like no, nah, that's not why I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Like, walk in the club. Hey, it's a dope club, right? Hey, you like this music? Yeah, nigga, we finna get fucked up, cut. You know what I'm saying? 
hey, we're going to smash a thousand girls tonight. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Whoa. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, I'm going to get a little bit of Henny and listen to some music. Like, you that shit you own, that's your, that's your problem. You know what I'm saying? But like, I maybe it's, I'm like, and I'm, I'm trying to say like, maybe they didn't have that experience. You know what I'm saying? To be able to like, know when this is happening to you to stop and be like, hold up. Cause like that, wait, nah, that's you. You speak for yourself, homie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's such a good point. I think it's very easy to get sucked in yeah. when someone is flat, is like flattering you, telling you that you are, you know, you have, values that other people don't have yeah that, and you're the they, only that, one getting it yeah or you're the only exactly. one saying it nobody else is validating you yeah exactly and i think it yeah. speaks to the sort of intoxicating power of feeling seen i think that trump yeah. also utilizes this very well of when you take people who you know genuine or not feel unseen feel unheard mm-hmm. whether or not they that actually is true because i would argue that like he did that with white people and it's like well what society yeah. are you living in where white people are like unseen and unheard not the yeah, one yeah, that i'm yeah. living I don't in know what but, the hell you're talking about yeah right but but the pow the i think that when you take people who feel unseen whether they really are or not and make them feel seen i think that can be a really intoxicating thing and That's if a drug. you don't yeah yeah if you don't know what to look out for you can really get people on board with stuff yeah i'm, so, I'm sorry to say like very easily yeah yeah so this is where Leslie Jones comes in. All right. You know, Milo and Steve Bannon have have made it so that taking back these spaces, taking back video games and movies mm-hmm. and all of that, that is a for, that feels like a form of activism. So if folks don't know who Leslie Jones is, first of all, you should because she's hysterical. She's hilarious. She is a comedian, probably best known for her time on Saturday Night Live. Uh, this is not really related to the story, but I just want to include it. Uh, Leslie Jones, she has a very interesting educational background. She went to Chapman University on a basketball scholarship until the team's coach left to go to Colorado State. And she liked this coach so much that she followed him and transferred there. Um, While, yeah, I think that's, I don't know why. I'm just like, oh, well, that's that she was like, oh, I'll just come with him. While she was at college, she worked as a DJ at her campus radio station. And Mm -hmm. side note, so did I. Let's go. I I liked that. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, you know, she bounced around majors until her majors included accounting, pre-law, and computer science. And so, I I don't know. I wanted to include that because I think it speaks to the kind of dynamic person she is. She's interesting. Yeah, she's actually very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the, like, 2010s, Leslie Jones was sort of one of those kind of, I guess I'll say, good at Twitter celebrities, right? Like, she was one of those celebrities that when she tweeted, people paid attention. And she generated a lot of goodwill for the platform um, and really showed, like, how the platform could be used in these fun and new ways. Yeah. During the 2016 Olympics, she was known for live tweeting the events and like posting her reactions, and everybody loved this. Huffington mm-hmm. Post wrote an article calling it saying, "Watching Leslie Jones watch the Olympics is better than the actual Olympics." So yes. like, she was beloved. Yeah, yeah. I followed her because she was yeah because of that. I was like, that was when live tweeting was something that we enjoyed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dude, she's the best at it because I'll be like. Um, yeah, I'm watching. It felt like he was like at a barbecue with her, you know, and watch it was so fun. Yeah. So in short, Leslie is just doing her thing, minding her business. Minding and, her own damn business. Okay. And everyone loves her, right? Yeah. Like she's everyone loves her. So it's not like she's like doing anything wrong other than existing and minding her business. 
In 2016, director Paul Feig announced that he's going to be directing a reboot of the movie Ghostbusters. Sony yeah. initially wanted to do a sequel, but Bill Murray wasn't interested and Harold Rames had passed away. So they ended up doing a reboot with four female leads, Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones. Mm-hmm. Now, almost as soon as this is announced, there is backlash. Uh, the trailer for the Ghostbusters reboot became the most disliked trailer in the history of YouTube. Uh, the rate of dislike is remarkable. An article on Screen Crush breaks it down, how it ranked among other hated videos on YouTube. Uh, the number one hated video on YouTube at the time was Justin Bieber's video for the song Baby, which had <laughs> six million thumbs down. Yes. <laughs> and the Ghostbusters trailer, when you compare it to other disliked videos on the platform, it's remarkable in that it has a high ratio of dislikes. The trailer had 507,610 dislikes on just 28.7 million views. So that's a staggering 56 to 1 ratio in terms of dislikes per view. So you kind of get a sense that like, it's not just that people are disliking it, they are disliking it at a highly disproportionate rate compared to other videos that people don't like. This is not an organic thing. People are definitely gamifying, hate-watching the trailer by vote-burgating. This could honestly be its own episode, but PBS did a really interesting interview with the Daily Dots managing editor, Austin Powell, who describes vote-burgating as overwhelming and manipulating rather rudimentary online systems to influence or disrupt public perception. So basically, places like Reddit and 4chan and other alt-right circles that are aggressively masculine were really downvoting anything that had a viewpoint that could be linked to, like, their ideology. And so because of the way that these platforms exist, it's not always easy to say, you know, where is this, where is this inorganic hate coming from? You can't always tell the source, but the, the, the numbers make it clear that this is not, you know, less, more people are disliking this video than are watching the video. So something weird is going on with how people are responding to it. Yeah. It's definitely like the, the, the knee jerk, like where all these weirdos come in of like, when you just slightly change something that doesn't remind them of the nostalgia that they're from. It's like, oh, sucks, you ruined it. You know, so like, yeah, people arguing that like Middle Earth shouldn't have black people. Like what what the, Middle Earth's not a real place, number one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then who, I forget homeboy, but he's the, he's the one that like makes me laugh the most. Homie's like, well, scientifically speaking, you know, a mermaid would not have uh. black skin. Because she'd live on the bottom of them. It's like, Nikki, did you just start this sentence about a mermaid with scientifically speaking? I believe that was Ben Shapiro, who was really, you know, it's so funny. These people are like, like, oh, snowflakes, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, a black mermaid. And then they lose their yeah. mind. It's, it is, it is like, so yeah, funny. But we're the ones, but we're the ones fragile, right? Like, we the one. Okay, word. Yeah, we're, we're, we're the snowflakes. Yeah, you mad. Okay, you mad that Game of Thrones got black people. But I'm like. And that's unrealistic. I think it like was the dragons. Uh, Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. Oh, was it that Matt was Walsh? Yeah. Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. Matt yeah, Walsh yeah. that did the like scientifically speaking. I was like, bro, I was supposed to take you serious. How could anyone take you serious after this? What is you mad about? So like, so I, so I say that to say, okay, you've turned the Ghostbusters into girls. Well, it sucks. They're supposed to be. Okay, it's like, all right, you 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 all right? All right, let it go. Okay, stupid. Now go watch the movie because it's actually very funny. And all four of those women are hilarious. And you know they're hilarious. Like, so like, relax. Okay, you got it out? You good? It's not exactly what you remember. Sorry. You know what I'm saying? Now now let's enjoy it. That's what I thought was going to happen. 
You know, yeah, I will never understand. So like with the Ghostbusters, with, with any reboot, really, it's not like they're making it illegal to own the original. So if you're like, oh, I was like very into the original. I don't like this reboot. That's fine. They're not there. You can still just watch the original. It's not going anywhere. Just because just they've added a reboot or a remake or they've made a Black Mermaid or whatever. Yeah. Nobody is forcing you to watch it. And yeah. the, you're, the thing that you loved isn't going anywhere. Like, what are you so upset about? Yeah. What's the and it's like, OK. What's your percentage of the shareholding of that movie? <laughs> right. Is it 0.00%? What the hell you care? <laughs> What's this doing for you? That's you know what I'm saying? Like, are you serious, fam? You, 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 you this riled up over something you don't own. All right. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Yeah, and Bridget, Bridget, who enters the chat next on this? 
Oh no, my God. God. I hate I I hate to say it, but You did not just even, put this man on my screen right now. <laughs> even Trump got in the mix. This is the weirdest okay. video. Yeah, play play this. It's the weirdest thing. Oh, I see the hashtags already. Okay. They're remaking Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. You can't do that. And now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? It looked like somebody told him to say that. Why is he yelling? Why is he yelling? It's so weird. And the way can that we, the video stops, where he's just like, what's going on? Stop talking. One more time. Hold on. One more time. One more time. They're remaking Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. You can't do that. And now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? Oh my God. That's so weird. So, like. Fam, what the hell are you talking like, What? <laughs> This that look, it's it's that same energy that like I mean it's not the same, but it's like you gonna go to like Budapest, Hawaii, and be like, hey, where can we get a hot dog? This place sucks. <laughs> no hot dogs. It's like I'm sorry, it's not exactly like the place you left. The hell are you talking about, fam? It's a different. Mo- it's what percentage it's so of what strange. percentage of Indiana Jones do you own? It's so strange. So obviously, Ghostbusters, the reboot, really tapped into all of these hot button issues around race and gender that movements like Gamergate had exposed and inflamed. And what's interesting is that not everybody didn't like not everybody didn't like the the reboot of of Ghostbusters because it was like they were being anti-woke. Some people thought the jokes were bad. Some people thought it was, you know, they didn't like that it was a remake. Some people didn't like Leslie Jones's character. Some people just don't like reboots, whatever. But the issue is that when bad actors and extremists hijack these conversations yeah. because they, they want to grind a political axe, it creates a situation where wading into it at all makes people feel like they have to pick sides because it becomes so charged, right? And so you either have to hate the movie for being like a woke PC remake or you feel like you need to defend it up against these like racist, sexist attacks. And so yeah. folks who are you know, maybe just want to like watch the movie and not necessarily have this kind of like a weighty opinion about it. They're completely drowned out. And people who, you know, just want to talk about this movie on its merits, they are also drowned out. And, you know, it it creates this thing where the conversation turns into this highly charged proxy for culture wars. I think I remember, I think it was Roxanne Gay tweeted like, I'm going to buy a hundred tickets to this movie because just to support it because it's being attacked. And it creates a situation where just supporting or not supporting a movie is seen a as statement. a kind of activism or a statement, yeah. which I just hate so much. Yeah, that's the yeah. So like that, yeah, getting it. I remember, I remember all this happening, and I remember being like, again, like, fam, it's it's a movie. Like, it's a movie about catching ghosts <laughs> with like ectoplasm. Right. Like, y'all, like, we what are we talking about? Like, in it okay like i'm just like yeah i'm like i just want to see it because i think they i think they funny like right. i think all four of those women are funny you know what i'm saying and ghostbusters was funny because all four of those dudes were funny that's the only reason like i'm and i was a baby and bobby brown was in ghostbusters too so i wanted to see it because oh, bobby yes. brown was in it. so i'm like i don't understand this when i'm like when the last time you talked about ghostbusters before you heard that this was coming like you don't well, you got paraphernalia. You got some. You got some like hidden room in here, where you got where the shit mean that much to you. Like you don't even care that much, right? And it to me, it was like what you're probably gonna get to is like, and why y'all singling out Leslie so much? Like, well, I bet you uh, can you, guess why. Uh, you know exactly why. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, 
And even on top of that, I'm like, because, okay, not only do she like, you know, she's the, you know, she's a a, a part of the the season their food club, you know what I'm saying, who actually <laughs> wash their legs, you know what I'm saying? Like, not only is she a part of that, but at the same time, like, okay, I'm sorry she don't look like Carrie Washington. You right. know what I'm saying? She don't, you know what I'm saying? So she don't look like Beyonce. Cause I'm like, okay, she look like Beyonce, would this be a whole dip, would this be a different situation? You feel me? Like, and that to me was like even more infuriating as to like why y'all going after her. Cause I I it's like I already know why you're going after her, but now I now really know why you're going after her. Yeah, it's you put that so well. And she we we'll get to it later, but like she acknowledges this. Like I, I feel like when these attacks happened, because when you attack Black women, you don't want to be the person who is talking about it, what is happening publicly or loudly or vocally, right? Yeah. And so, because that creates a situation where it's like, oh, well, maybe she was being aggressive. Like, maybe yeah. she, like, it's just so hard to talk about these things. And so often, even like, I think that as a society, we're more comfortable talking about racism against Black folks. I think the conversation that can be not, we're not super comfortable with it, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. I think that we're more comfortable with that than the conversation of like, it's also because I'm a black woman who has dark skin. So I think it's, I think it's yeah. not just racism, it's colorism as well. And it's I think that that conversation is like harder to have and people are less willing to have that conversation yeah. openly. Absolutely. And just doesn't fit like traditional beauty standards. Even because exactly. like Lupita, Lupita's dark. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? She's gorgeous. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, so there's a lot going on here that y'all not willing to say. You feel me? Yeah. It's a lot of unsaid stuff happening that we're yeah. really invested in just pretending is not happening yeah. while, we, while we can all see it and feel it happening. Absolutely. So on Breitbart, Milo published a review of Ghostbusters, oh and I don't God. think it's a surprise to anyone that it's oh clear God. that this review is not just interested in getting into the merits of the film. A couple of standout lines. He writes... The spattering of negative and lukewarm reviews that are now piling up is brave for the leftist establishment media. These writers are risking being labeled as sexist bigots, a fate worse for a liberal than running out of quinoa and hummus while your oh vegan God. boyfriend is staying over. I used to think he was a good writer 10 minutes ago. Now I mean, this, this is, this yeah, is this, this review, this, this even corny. for him, yeah. a little phoned in, a little yeah, phoned in. Yeah, that's corny, bro. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say... Um, but most of the press realizes that whatever shreds of credibility it has left would be utterly lost by giving this film an unqualifiedly positive review. He singles out Leslie Jones's character, Patty. He says, Patty is the worst of the lot. The actress is spectacularly unappealing, even relative to the rest of the odious cast. But it's her flat as a pancake black stylings that ought to have irritated the social justice warriors. I don't get offended by such things, but they should. And so all of the hate that is being directed at the film uh, to all of the, the leads... It's so much worse for Leslie. And that is to be expected. Uh, the research is super clear that Black women disproportionately are targeted for abuse online when compared to their white counterparts. Mm -hmm. uh, and Leslie is, is, is really getting it. Like, she's not, like the, the rest of the folks in the film are not getting it as yeah. vocally as she is. Yeah. Um, and so Leslie Jones, you know, she is a Twitter super user. And so... Yeah. She, that part of that is like replying to tweets, engaging with tweets. Yeah. I remember seeing this unfold. She got like a few critical tweets about Ghostbusters that were pretty run of the mill. People saying yeah. like, oh, I didn't like this movie. I didn't think you were funny. There's a black woman who tells her, I thought that Sherry Shepard or Lonnie Love would have been better at this movie than you were. So mm -hmm. like 
not not nice, but they're not, yeah, you know, it's, it's just like to be shit. expected. Yeah, it's exactly, public figure exactly. shit. Yeah, you're going to get those. Yeah. Exactly. So like they're all within the scope of like what you would expect if you're a public figure who's put out a movie. Um, and it's not it's not like Leslie Jones is falling apart and withering at this criticism. Nah. She's engaging with it. She's replying like she's it's fine. And then Milo retweets Leslie complaining about people not liking the movie. He retweets it with. If at first you don't succeed because your work is terrible, play the victim. Everyone gets hate mail for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. He follows it up with Ghostbusters is doing so badly that they've employed Leslie Jones to play the victim on Twitter. And this what? is all a real callback to his style of writing on Breitbart that yeah. he spent years beating the drum uh, around this idea that it is men who are being oppressed by women and that yeah. women play the victim for attention or for clout. And when they do, the corrupt, biased media rewards them from it. And he, he's been spending all of his time like beating that drum and seeding that as a narrative in his writing to these like disaffected men that he's mm-hmm. been courting. And talking about how this sort of goes against the idea of, quote, meritocracy that Milo has spent uh, so long telling yeah, gamers that they value more than others. F- oh my God, dude. I hate this guy. So it gets worse. Yeah. Milo then retweets completely fake doctored tweets that appear to show Leslie saying racist and anti-Semitic yeah. things. Um, these are not her. Like, yeah. she's, this is like just several fake tweets. Then she blocks him. Yeah. When she blocks him, Milo tweets, rejected by another black dude and yeah. shows oh, the screenshot of, yeah. of the block screen. So at this point, the tenor of the criticism clearly changes. Yeah, it it goes from run-of-the-mill, like, I don't like this movie, to things like her website being hacked and having pictures of her driver's license and passports published to her website. Yeah. Explicit personal photos of her that were stolen, posted to her website, which, by the way, is a sex crime. Yes. Um, And then pictures of her on her website being, like, her her head being replaced with the gorilla Harambe. Yeah. And so this is not criticism. You know, this is not- too far. Yeah. It's way too far. So she tweets- I have been called apes, sent pictures of asses, even got a picture with semen on my face. I'm trying to figure out what human means. I'm out. I feel like I'm in a personal hell. I didn't do anything to deserve this. It's just too much. It shouldn't be like this. So hurt right now. And so it's clear that when this was just run-of-the-mill movie criticism, Leslie probably didn't like it, but she was engaging with it. And then Milo completely changed the tenor of those interactions by introducing these inflammatory racist fake tweets and racializing the conversation. Yeah, see, see, this is the part that like, I. this is why maybe in the beginning, I may have spoke out of turn because I didn't know the rest of this. I just saw her cracking jokes with people. You know totally. what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, she's funny, dude. She got it. Like, I don't remember the rest of all this. I didn't realize all this other stuff happened. Dang. Okay. And so in the be- in the beginning, when it was just, you know, I think Lonnie Love would be funnier. Like, Like, she was like, Clapping back, and yeah, it, it she was, was clapping it was, back. Yeah, it was. All, it seemed like it was all in good fun, but yeah, the, the the way that Milo entered the conversation and changed the the tenor and like turned the temperature up and made it so racialized, all of that like back and forth that she was engaging in mm-hmm. took a very different turn. Yeah, and this is all outlined in a piece that Milo wrote on Breitbart, where he essentially blames Leslie for her own harassment because she responded to it, and he frames what is happening as regular people not being able to criticize the elites. He writes, in the words of a man who thoroughly triggered Leslie Jones, to express different opinions from the elite is the real sin in this story. But when you look back at his tweets, 
he's not expressing a different opinion than Leslie Jones. He's not like criticizing her skills as an actor. He's calling her a man and spreading doctored tweets that one of which purports to show her calling the executives at Sony, yeah. the company that she had just made a movie for, yeah. a slur for Jewish people. Like, yeah. that's not a difference of opinion. That's a very different thing. Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is that even per Milo's own rundown of the situation, he himself points out that Leslie was just fine when the conversation was just legitimately criticism. When the tenor of the conversation changed, she obviously, like, like that was a, a, yeah. a different situation. And so... For all of his, you know, going on and on about free speech, it was Milo who came in and stifled the legitimate criticism of the film. Absolutely. Uh, Leslie Jones had to pull down her website after it was hacked. She stopped tweeting after being harassed. And, you know, the actual critique that she had been engaging in was silenced because of it. So if anybody yeah. was, like, stifling the speech, it was Milo. It was uh, here is Leslie talking about it to Laverne Cox. What a blessing to have it come later in life because I think about me I when I think I wasn't ready because I thought you know when I moved to New York in 1993 that in a few years I would be a superstar uh, oh yeah and what I understand about not having been ready is not even just doing the work of being an actor but the fame part just dealing with the fame and for you when Ghostbusters happened sure. and the trolling and <sighs> people have to really know how specific that sh is um, yeah. None of none of the other girls got trolled like I did, and I hate to say it like this, but it is was because I was a black woman, and I hate to say that. I, I hate think to say it's that. also that you're a dark skinned black woman. Yeah, I, I yeah, I really hate to say that because it's, it's like the truth though. It's it's like I wanted to be like I don't want this to be about that, but it was. Yeah. And it was a shame. And the reason I say it all the time is because I think people need to hear this. Shit. I was getting videos of white people spitting on on my picture, um, um, uh, hanging me, hanging my doll. They're gonna kill me. They're gonna ki find out where my family. They're gonna kill me and my family. Mm. They were spitting. They would they would send my pictures with where they jacked off on it. Like it was just what? horrible, shit. horrible shit for a movie. And the reason that, that you had the audacity right, to get cast to, to in get a movie that, that I got cast, I'm so sorry. So my important thing was, I, like, everybody was like, well, you know, ignore it. Block. No, f*** that. I'm not going to ignore. I'm, accountability is what needs to be set in this society right now. Y'all can't just do to people and think you could just f get away with it. Because mm. you wouldn't say that in my face. You would not say that in my face. And I know you wouldn't because your f***ing profile don't even have your picture on it. Has a cartoon. So you're a coward and I'm going to call you out. So I would take screenshots of everything that was sent to me and I would post it and I'd be like, yeah, this is the type of that's coming to me. This is the type of uh, community that y'all like, what's wrong with y'all? That's why I ride for her. Mm. That's exactly it. And she's like, nah, homie, you a coward. Like, I'm going to call you on it. That, again, I was like, you messing with the wrong one. That's what I, that's what I thought about her. I'm like, nah, you messing with the wrong one. She ain't going to, she ain't going to let y'all like do her like this. And yeah. And Listening to her talk about it, I'm on the one hand, she should not have to go through at that all. at all. But on the other hand, I'm happy that she, like the advice of like, just ignore it. Don't pay attention to them. I'm glad that she did not take yeah. that advice because there has to be accountability. There has to be accountability. Um, and so one of the questions that people ask a lot in this conversation was, 
did Milo actually lead the charge of harassment against Jones? And this is a little bit of a tricky situation because it's another hallmark of online harassment where users that have these big platforms, they don't come right out and say, attack this person because that would clearly violate Twitter's rules against coordinated harassment. So it's very like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Trump was also very good at this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Milo writes a scathing review about Ghostbusters where he singles out Leslie Jones specifically. He introduces racist inflammatory attacks on her. He quote tweets her to his followers and says, this person is playing the victim for clout. And then he demonstrates that she blocked him so that he cannot continue harassing her. Um, and he says this to his millions of followers who he has whipped up into a frenzy. I would argue knowing that they will understand what they are being of called course. to do. Of course. But it's so savvy because when people point out his role in this, he's able to be like, oh, they're lying about me. It's just another piece of evidence of this biased media. And I believe people like Milo, they know exactly what they are doing. They are purposely Mm -hmm. amassing a following of aggrieved sycophants that they have inflamed. And then they point them at a specific target, step back, let them attack this person. And then they say, I had nothing to do with it. Prove I had it. Where's the tweet where I told them to do this? I had nothing to do with it. God, dog. Yeah. That's the worst type, man. Where you could be like, "What what are you talking about? What did I do? Okay, what did I do? And you're like, bro. Yeah, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before we started filming about oh boy. Yeah, it's and also I mean it, got it's that just same cowardly. Energy. Yeah. Like it's like a like a I would have respected so much more if like if you're gonna be about it, be about it. Don't be about it and then when you're called out, I'd be like, I did no such thing. You know, yeah. it, it's so cowardly. She's exactly right that it's so cowardly. Yeah. And she was like, Y'all even y'all ain't even got photos on your profile. I was like, Yeah, she yes, that's during that season, yeah, when you just had the little black and white circle mm-hmm. shadow, that was definitely the situation when, like, man, you ain't even got a, you ain't even got an Abby, bro. Like, I'm good. So eventually, Leslie Jones takes a pause from Twitter. She says, I leave Twitter tonight with tears and a very sad heart. All of this because I did a movie. You can hate the movie, but sh- the shit I got today is wrong. Mm-hmm. And eventually, Jack Dorsey, who then was the CEO of Twitter, personally got involved. He met with Leslie about the harassment. Uh, And Twitter permanently banned Milo from the platform as a result. In a statement, Twitter said, people should be able to express diverse opinions and beliefs on Twitter, but no one deserves to be subjected to targeted abuse online and our rules prohibit inciting or engaging in targeted harassment or abuse of others. Um, This actually ended up kickstarting a wave of Twitter sort of cracking down on like white supremacist alt-right Twitter users in November of 2016. They suspend Richard Spencer and other white supremacist figures, and they roll out a series of actions to curb hate speech and abuse on the platform. Here's Leslie talking about the aftermath of how this all ended up. What's scary about the whole thing is that the insults didn't hurt me. Unfortunately, I'm used to the insults. That's unfortunate. But what scared me was the injustice of a gang of people jumping against you for such a sick cause. Yeah. I mean, it was like, like, I mean, they just like, everybody has an opinion and it all comes at you at one time. And they're, they they really believe in what they believe in. Yeah. And it's so mean, like it's so gross and mean and unnecessary. So it was just like one of those things of like, okay, so if I hadn't said anything, nobody would have ever knew about this. Yeah. And it was one of those things of like, hey, you know, when I, when I approached Facebook, they was on it. Twitter, I was on them. I was like, yo, it's okay. It's like, that's my favorite restaurant. I love the food there. 
three people just got shot in front of me. <laughs> Y'all need to get some security. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of really smart people at that company, and they really need to try to start sorting out not just how to protect people like you, but the people that don't yeah. have this public forum, because Period. I think it happens to so many people. So it's definitely a good thing that Milo was kicked off the platform. Absolutely. But here's the thing. Leslie Jones is a wealthy celebrity. Uh, she was also like a Twitter super user. So it's not surprising that Jack Dorsey would step in and like personally meet with her about these yeah. experiences. But what about all the black women and girls who are not celebrities, yeah. right? Who have not personally been involved in yeah. like high engagement for the platform, who don't have the money to hire a digital security person to take down intimate photos if they're posted. I think that because people who are marginalized are the ones who are often targeted on social media platforms, they shouldn't have to be like rich or famous or well-connected to show up on these platforms. Yeah. All different kinds of people who are attacked and harassed on social media platforms, black folks, trans folks, queer folks, sex workers, activists, doctors who perform abortions. These are the people who are being attacked and they deserve safety on these platforms, even if they are not celebrities. Yeah. And that really brings us to today. You know, Elon Musk is already publicly signaling that these are the, the kinds of people responsible for these kinds of attacks he wants to bring back to the platforms. Last month, Jordan Peterson, which if you don't know who that is, listen to good Behind the Bastards. <laughs> yeah, good for you, I but wish. listen to yeah. Behind the Bastards. He was kicked off of Twitter for intentionally misgendering the actor Elliot Page, which mm -hmm. is against Twitter's terms of service. His daughter tweeted last month uh, to Elon Musk, will you bring my dad back to the platform? Elon Musk replied, anyone suspended for minor and dubious reasons will be freed from Twitter jail. And so think about all the people that represents Milo, Peterson, folks like Gavin McInnes, who was the founder of the Proud Boys, Alex Jones, Marjorie Taylor Greene, all of these people who were kicked off the platform. Musk is signaling that he might reinstate them. He very well might reinstate Donald Trump. In a text exchange between him and Twitter's former CEO, Musk says, oh, it will be great to unwind permanent bans except for spam accounts and those that advocate for violence. And at a conference, Musk said that he thought that banning Donald Trump was a mistake. Yeah, but it's so, like, it's so stupid, like, out of his own mouth, uh, except for bots and, like, people that stoke violence. I'm like, literally everybody that they banned were stoking <laughs> violence. Like, I don't, what is you talking about? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and that's what I mean by, like, again, earlier, oh, I could jump off this roof. It's like, okay, go ahead and do it. Now, now you see why none of us are jumping off this roof? Now you see why what happened, why we all climbed down the second time? Because we realized when you up there, oh, it's not what, it's not what you thought it was. So you're going to have to walk all this shit back. Everything you saying you're going to do. And, and it's funny to watch that happen in real time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to walk all this shit back. So, like, and fam, we tried to tell you. Like, nah, bro, you don't want this smoke, dog. You don't have, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. Okay, go ahead then. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Jump off the roof. Jump yeah. off then. It's it's such a good analogy. And I think we're seeing Elon Musk grapple with exactly those questions. Yeah. You know, he calls himself a free speech absolutist and is coming to see what pretty much every person who has ever run any <laughs> social media platform has seen is that it's really fucking hard yeah. and it's involved and you have to like, re like consider a lot of stuff and you can't just do it on a whim. And so yeah. it's interesting to watch him realize this in I'm real time. a free time. speech absolutist. <laughs> well, except for... And then also, and then maybe if y'all was doing it, but then if we want advertisers, then yeah, it's going to be space. So you can't really say, and then, so yeah, but I'm an absolutist though. 
<laughs> okay, fam. Exactly. And so here's where we are now. You know, the question really becomes, what are you going to allow on these platforms? Who is served when extremists are welcomed onto platforms that are allowed to harass and attack people who are just minding their business like Milo and his supporters did? And, you know, I think for a lot of these these people and prop, I think that you really clocked this. It's a grift. It is an engagement yeah. strategy. It is. I am going to harass people on Twitter, get lots of engagement, and that is going to meaning. That's going to be lucrative for me. And I don't think that platforms should be incentivizing that kind of a, a yeah. dangerous grift. Yeah. Yeah. I have to end by saying you might be wondering, well, where is Milo now? Well, after being kicked off of Twitter, that was only one part of his downfall. It was not the Leslie Jones harassment campaign that killed off his career. Um, He kind of maintained golden boy status within the right until 2017, where he was slated to speak at CPAC. And then a video surfaced of him, I guess, like kind of endorsing pedophilia. This was a bridge too far for the right. He was booted from the CPAC lineup. Uh, He lost a lucrative book deal. He resigned from Breitbart. And today he's broke. He doesn't have <laughs> anywhere near the platform he used to have. And good riddance. Listen, when I <laughs> well, look, when you send us this script and I scrolled down to the bottom and it said, Today Milo is broke, I was like, this is the greatest. This is the dopest last bullet because point. Because it I ever rarely seen happens. It never you it never happens. Yeah, it rarely happens where somebody finally like finally hits their downfall and you're like, ah, uh, all of my Good home training says I shouldn't revel in your loss. However, yo, saying revel in this loss, this one like nah, homie, loss. you earn that. You know what I'm saying? That's that you earn that, brother. You know what I'm saying? That's your shit sandwich that you put together yourself. So enjoy your shit sandwich, Milo. Enjoy Milo. it, bro. So prop, thank you for being here today. Oh God, it was a pleasure. pleasure getting into this infuriating but enlightening conversation. Tell us about hood politics and. Yeah. Do you know anywhere where I can get a good cup of coffee? Ooh, I know a bunch of coffee. Um, so hood politics with prop, also on Cool Zone Media. Uh, it's essentially like it's kind of evolved. I, I kind of like the way it's evolved. It's uh started off as just like, oh, like there's these weird headlines, hot takes, like, what are these people talking about? How do I how do I make sense of this? And just really wanting to help people tap into like their street knowledge to understand that that's just as legitimate as their book knowledge. You know what I'm saying? So just really helping you understand just the political landscape. But it's really evolved into like more than just politics. It's like sociology, cultural studies, history, economics, just essentially like, I just want people to understand that, you know, you smarter than you think you are. And these people are not smarter than you. You know what I'm saying? So you had a very relevant tweet that you you posted in the last week where you, you talked about how people voted for things that yeah. they thought they that yes. they, that they didn't think they were voting for because they they purposely try to confuse Word us. Weird. Yeah, so yeah. that's yeah, like that is that type of like I'm trying to give y'all a game where it's like you know um, whether the tweet was like hey you know a lot of y'all voted yes on stuff that you meant no and voted no on stuff that you thought mm-hmm. meant yes and it's because they worded it wrong. So what I want to do with come in with her politics is be like, hey homie, you trying to hustle you? That mean yes, you know. And just being like, hey, think about it like, you know, when somebody was like, hey, you don't want dinner tonight? Fools being like, no. Wait, yes, I do want Wait, dinner. Wait, no, I, <laughs> no, I do want dinner. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, look, right. they're not smarter than you. It's a hustle. You just got to, like, pay attention to the hustle. So, yeah, that's the politics with Prop. Also, uh, I do I have my own cold brew. It's called Terraform Cold Brew. Uh, you go to terraformcoldbrew.com. It's canned. It's shelf-stable. You ain't got to keep it in the fridge, although it tastes better if you keep it in the fridge. 
But yeah, terraformcoldbrew.com. Get you some get you some of that good. And your good. book. And the book is also called Terraform, collection of poetry and short story. With the holidays coming up, I can't think of a better gift. You need to get this book. Then Terraform coffee and Terraform book. Ooh, that would pair that's gonna it's pair a good so pairing. nicely. Book and coffee. It's a I good pairing. It. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks Ms. for Bridget being Todd. here. I appreciate it. Yeah. This was dope. Internet Hate Machine is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, check out our website, coolzonemedia.com, or find us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's. Because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.